0: goodness gracious it is time once again it's a new episode of the score how exciting yes absolutely it is episode 17 of the score can you believe it that's just wild oh my gosh has
1: 17 episodes
0: <laughs> what happens when you're 17
1: nothing nothing good nothing waiting to be 18
0: yeah I guess so like <laughs> t- we're taking our APs I guess <laughs> our our, our SATs stressing about what
1: college we're gonna apply to yeah taking in the pressure of everyone asking us what we're gonna do with the rest of our lives um yeah Okay, well, it's going to be a great show. Anyway.
0: (laughs) It's going to be a great show. As always, um, my name is Rocky Jones. I am the EDI director here at Minnesota Opera, and I'm here with my amazing, lovely, talented co-host, the incredible civic engagement manager here at MN Opera, um, the lovely Paige Reynolds.
1: Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. We're doing this. I was saying before we <laughs> hit record that we're doing this a little bit earlier than we normally do in the day. And so I'm just wondering how this is going to go because I'm not as caffeinated as I oh, usually am. am feeling are. it. Yeah, definitely
1: <laughs>
0: feeling it. <laughs> we are theater people. We are not made for the a.m.
1: No. Unless it's
0: like, you know, one, two, three a.m. um but usually we are joined by our third musketeer um the lovely and talented also Mr. Lee Bynum but he is off dealing with stuff so he couldn't be here with us this week but shout out to Lee we miss you um but we thought well we had so much fun last time why don't we just invite back our amazing impact department coordinator at the fabulous frankie charles to be our guest co-host again yay. this week
2: yay
0: welcome back to the show thank
2: uh, you for having back. me
0: again yeah well good. it's it's an honor you are our, our first repeat guest Whoa! that is an honor <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing today
2: good good it's It's a little windy outside. It's nice. It's fall is I'm feeling the fall and I'm enjoying it.
0: Oh, yeah, Yeah, finally. I mean, it's been like 80 degrees up until like two days ago. It's been so weird. I finally get to wear a sweater. I'm happy about it.
1: (laughs) Same. I have my uh, IKEA bag full of winter clothes that has stayed zipped. I took it out, but like I haven't actually needed it until today when I checked the forecast and was like oh we need layers oh it's time to layer it's time to wear sweaters and jackets and wool socks <laughs> those fun things
0: of course we're saying this now but like in six months when we're still doing it it's gonna oh, be yeah. like oh my god I want to die but
1: <laughs> ask us how we feel um, in February
0: yeah yeah so <laughs> but for now the novelty is just it has not worn off at all. It's it's like ooh, I haven't seen this sweater in like I don't know three months or something. <laughs> yeah,
2: I had I had that moment too, going through my closet, and I was just like, oh, I love this sweater.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so for those of you who don't know us who perhaps are new to the show um this is minnesota opera's podcast um where we talk about things that are going on in the zeitgeist but more specifically classical music opera pop culture um the arts in general um but through a lens of uh well people of color black folks Latinx folks, Asian folks, Indigenous folks, um, but also marginalized groups, LGBTQ plus folks, women, disabled folks, and we are just so happy to have you um (laughs) for our discussion today i guess we're gonna start off with really quick since i have my two good art friends here
3: (laughs) (laughs) did you all read that article (laughs) in the
0: new york did you read it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't even but i can't stop thinking about it it's so petty
2: Your rendition of it was really, like, I didn't want to go and read it because your rendition was just so comical that I didn't (laughs) want it to ruin it.
1: (laughs) The way Rocky summarized it, I was like, this has to be as good, if not better, than the actual article. Yeah. Yeah.
0: because I wanted you all to read it so bad because like I haven't been able to stop thinking about it for the last week because it is so crazy (laughs) it's so crazy just for any of you who haven't read it like these two writers in Boston they are part of this writing collective they are quote-unquote friends I guess. Are they? <laughs> Are they- <laughs> <laughs> but so Dawn and Sonia, Dawn is this white woman who I guess her whole life has fantasized about just donating a kidney. Not to like her friend, not to her family member, but just her, just, just taking the kidney out of her, her body, throwing it out into the ether. And whoever wants a kidney... Come on and come on a group. Which I mean, it's a very selfless act. You know, I I don't I don't know if I'm that good of a person. Um... See,
2: and I don't know if you should gauge good bad with that because, <laughs> like, you need your kidneys and you don't need both of them. But like, unless there's a very good reason, and this woman sought out a reason to give away her kidney, from what I understood, so she did that
0: yeah, you know, <laughs> it, yes, and it was it was her her choice. So that aside. <laughs> she donates the kidney, it goes to a stranger. and she sets up a private Facebook group and invites a whole bunch of like her friends from this writing collective to be a part of this Facebook group where she's just sort of documenting her journey of giving the kidney, of recovering from the surgery, of, like, contacting the recipient.
1: And this was the first part where I <laughs> like... started to get confused. <laughs> I started to have questions. Uh-huh. Yes. Women's motives. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And she writes this letter to, like, like not knowing who the recipient is yet, we find out that she meets the recipient and takes a picture with them and is in contact with them. But she writes this letter that she posts to the Facebook group that's like, I have been dreaming of you. I've been dreaming of saving you, doing what I can to be a wonderful person and save you with my kidney. And it's just like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So then there's Sonia, who is a part of the writing collective who Dawn considers, like, I guess her best friend in the whole world or something. They're close. And so she can see that Sonia has read the posts, but hasn't liked any of the posts. And so she's like, why hasn't my best friend Sonia liked any of these posts? And (laughs) she then (laughs) emails sonia and she's like hey girl how are you just wanted to check in how's the family how's your husband and kids and by the way um i noticed that you have i did you see that i gave have you been on facebook I, I gave a, I gave a kidney away. Did you see that? <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you see that that happened? Oh. And so Sonia then writes back and she's like, oh girl, yes, absolutely. What a beautiful selfless act. You were so brave, whatever. And then I guess, like long story short, like that answer was just kind of not enough and they start going back and forth and Dawn is just kind of like, I don't think we're as close as we we are or or I guess we're not as close as I thought we were and Sonia is just like I didn't realize that this mattered so much to you that I liked your Facebook posts but I'm sorry I guess and so then this other writer sorry. could you say that again okay Siri no no Siri
1: <laughs> Siri's like, what's the tea? So Siri wants to know the tea.
0: <laughs> Siri, you're so nosy. Oh my goodness, that was my FBI handler. <laughs> <laughs> what's this? <tea>, um, <laughs> um, no, but then she's like, um, oh, this other writer, Tom. Who is a messy bee who lives for drama jumps into mm. the chat and he's like, Oh, hey, Dawn. Did you see that Sonia wrote a new story, a short story about kidney donation? Oh, <laughs> Tom. I wonder Tom? <laughs> I know. I wanna have a sit-down with Tom. I wanna have I I wanna have a cocktail. I wanna get Tom's entire from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. Like his, his his perspective. What really is, goes
1: on in this little writing group?
0: I yeah. mean tell
1: us.
0: <laughs> <not>. <laughs> and you're just like, I wonder who the inspiration is. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar, huh? <laughs> and so she reads the story, and Sonia went and took her letter to the recipient and changed like two words in it and it's the story about a Chinese American woman who needs a, a, a kidney transplant and she gets a donation from a white woman who much like Dawn just sort of wanted to donate a kidney randomly to a stranger and you know it's this very sort of you know, examining sort of the white savior complex, and then Don is just like, uh, "I'm actually gonna like get into a big fight with you about this." And Sue and Sonia's like, "This is my artistic expression. It's my artistic freedom." how dare you <laughs> <laughs> and like at first I kind of felt myself kind of siding with Sonia because it's like okay like you know you put this story out in the ether and she got inspired by it and she wrote this story kind of telling yourself about you I you know yeah you could be mad that your friend did that
1: but I mean, it also is reflecting the way you actually acted in real yeah. life. I mean,
2: I'm looking through the article and Dawn celebrated her kidney anniversary and <laughs> appeared on a use at a UCLA health lake, uh, appeared as a UCLA health laker for a day at the Staples Center to support live organ donation. So if she's that public, I don't know. People can draw inspiration from anywhere.
0: I mean, I'm just saying, however, the problem then becomes Dawn finds an earlier version of the story where she just plagiarized the whole thing. (laughs) 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 word for word (laughs) and Sonya's like it's my artistic expression how dare you and so then Don decides to sue the story gets pulled from festivals like short story collections because it was kind of taking off and then this is where the the turn comes (laughs) like Sonia has been maintaining this whole time. Like, I don't know her. I don't care about her kidney donor. Yeah, I read it and it inspired me to like do like something else. And then the group chat texts are subpoenaed by Don's lawyers. (laughs) And which is just the worst nightmare.
1: <laughs> oh gosh can you
0: imagine can you imagine <laughs> oh my god oh no 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 <laughs> have to
1: but, go also, to hiding.
0: <laughs> but also just like worst nightmare because it's like like i mean i know for a fact like i am on you know a number of different group chats and of course there's a group chat with like all the friends and there's a group chat with like all the friends minus this person and then Mm -hmm. all the friends minus Mm -hmm. this person and of course they started as like oh my god it's julie's birthday we should plan something for her and then it turned into did you see what julie did (laughs) on instagram (laughs) (laughs) and so i'm sure there's one about me there's (laughs) you know where, I, where I'm not included. And to like, I can't even imagine. Like, and I know that my friends love me. These people didn't love Dawn at all. Because, <laughs> because all these texts are just like, girl, I saw what Don posted on Facebook. And it's so crazy. I have to write a story about it. I tried not to plagiarize the letter, but it's too good. It's too good. She's too Karen. Oh my God. <laughs> and like it just brings up all of these questions around artistic freedom and like obviously I'm team no one it's kind of like you know Monique and Candace last year on Real Housewives of Potomac I'm team no one <laughs> <laughs> but like it's just so wild it's so
1: petty I just everybody's mercy. Uh, I everybody just can't believe it messy.
0: and that is in the New York Times and then we're all just sort of sitting here thinking about it
1: because <laughs> um, i mean my problem with sonia early on at, fir- at first i was team sonia and then i was like wait y'all clearly aren't friends how come you just didn't tell her a, a long time ago that like i <laughs> i i think you a little confused about how uh, close we actually are um <laughs> it's not it's not like that um <laughs> you're great we just don't click as friends like that or you know she could have let her down easier or something like that but I also get the impression that uh Dawn is like one of those white women who like feigns closeness to people of color mm-hmm. or just like oh yeah I know Paige oh my god yes we're such good friends I all oh, I just love her and I'm like i we were coworkers, and that we've, was it. <laughs> like, we've spoken
0: two times. <laughs> oh my God, Rocky's so fun. He's so fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ugh, yeah, now there had to have been a better way to handle that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All around. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel like Dawn sort of didn't realize how she was sort of coming off to people and just sort of how her, um, her whole sort of selfless act sort of is just part of the general, and the way she was sort of talking about it, expressing it, this private Facebook group, this letter, just sort of contributing to the general ecosystem of sort of white supremacy and Karen-ish tendencies but then Sonia also has to realize that like it's one thing to like you know be shady on a group chat with your friends but it's also a bit jerkish to just sort of take all of that verbatim and then like turn it into like a story Mm -hmm. that you know gets disseminated into the entire world without any sort of warning
1: yeah that's just you know i don't know yeah <laughs> it like really escalated things it's like what could have just been group chat tea is now like litigation tea yeah, yeah. and all over <laughs> and in new york times yep tea.
0: <laughs> well what i've had to fascinating about that is that Dawn is the one that pitched the story to the New York Times. Oh, what? Yes. So, like, Dawn just, like, I don't know, her self-awareness meter, it seems low.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, but... People are crazy.
0: Yes. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. So, I mean, that's just, you know, the story that has been sort of rocking the art world. But I think it does bring up some very interesting questions for all of us in all sorts of various fields, whether it's literature, whether it's, you know, visual art, whether it's opera classical music, just sort of this idea of... We sit here and we talk about artistic freedom, and yes, that is an important thing. Like artists should be able to create without sort of limits, without borders, should be able to explore dark and murky controversial territory. But at the same time, (laughs) just who, You know, and especially I think we were talking about it in terms of of comedy because we're thinking about this new Dave Chappelle special, which I have not seen I don't, Mm -hmm. and I don't particularly feel like I need to see it. Um, You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. as a gay black man I've I've heard, you know, plenty of homophobic and transphobic jokes since I was on the playground so I guess I don't really need to listen to 72 minutes more (laughs) of them you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, as a trans Latinx masculine human being, it's 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 tough to see a a comedy special like that in the same place as something as impactful as disclosure was, because that as a documentary on Netflix was very very important to the trans community and then you've also got this dave Chappelle special where he's just talking out of his ass and it's sorry rocky (laughs) 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 and he's just erasing a whole group of people because he doesn't think that they he doesn't want them to exist like there are trans black people in the world there are there are non-binary Black folks, all of that. And the way he talks about it in his special just erases erases their existence. And it's, it's very short-sighted. And the fact that he doesn't see a problem with it is, I don't know, it's, he's lived very comfortably where he's at and has decided not to try and engage with the new like the contemporary world very clearly, and it's, it's, it's sad. I think
1: mm-hmm. and it's just really
2: sad. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I. You make a good point about like the, <laughs> just the way he frames things, like really erasing like black, uh, queer and trans folks, and that has been uh, from a lot of the discussion that I've seen that has poured over into that too. Like it's being it's being framed as like a thing of white queer and trans people attacking this black man who was just making a joke. And it's just like, okay, what about all the, the black trans folks who have a problem with it, who probably were fans of yours at one point, a lot mm-hmm. of us. Like a lot of us were watching Ch- Chappelle's show and Keking and Hee Hee Ha haing And now it's like Yeah, we've had to <laughs> kind of had to um walk away from you in in recent years because you refuse to evolve. But but no, let's just make it uh all the LGBTQ people are white and they're coming after this black man thing. Like that's that is so annoying and and frustrating and
2: yeah. yeah, especially when like LGBTQ plus folks have so much more going on. Like okay, the the stuff in Texas, real with, problems. Like mm-hmm. yeah, like actual problems. And then we've got this guy who's talking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I mean. I just, you know, like, yes, you you should be able to have that freedom, but then anybody who's consuming that art should be able to have the freedom to be in a dialogue with you, to be able to, you know, throw that back at you, what you've created and to say, hey, I thought that satire was about sort of lampooning, you know, powerful people. Um, you know, the establishment, you know, this actually just kind of feels like bullying. This just kind of feels like you're just kind of punching down at people because people tend to think that like, you know, the LGBT, you know, struggle was just all about marriage and now we can get married and like, we're done and we're cool and it's fine. And it's just like, and then like this, um, Statement that the CEO of Netflix released yesterday. Oh my
1: gosh! Uh Which was
0: just like, oh well, you know, we've we've decided that you know, on-screen things like don't contribute to harm because look at the crime rates—they've gone down in the last ten years. And she's like, sir, what are you? Are you on crack? Is that what you smoke? Like, Like, what
2: what is it? What is it? Yeah. What What reality is that person living in? Because that's. Those things don't correlate
0: <laughs> like at all no. and it's just like the just kind of the infallibility of comedians especially like you know these ultra famous ultra rich um comedians it's just it's it, it it blows my mind because, you know, I, I was also reading an article by Roxane Gay again in the New York Times yesterday. And she's talking about at the end, you know, he's spent, you know, all of this time sort of talking about. And, and there is a point to be made for, you know, kind of, you know, white supremacy in the way that it shows up in the LGBT Q community, absolutely. I don't think that's the point that Dave Chappelle is making. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but like at the end, he says something like, "You know, you know, like, you know, please stop, you know, you know, please give us a chance. Please stop, you know, oppressing us." And the "us" is meant to um, sort of represent black men. But then at the end, it's just this montage of pictures of him with like wildly famous rich celebrities. And it's like, oh, no, no, that's the us. (laughs) Uh. That's the us. Uh. You know, it's not about black. It's not about white. It's about like, you know, super rich people, please stop canceling us. Please like allow us to just say whatever we want with impunity. You know, and it got me thinking about just like comedy, like, all over the place and just like you know i think about you know like comic operas like (laughs) these operas that like you know are quote unquote comedies um from you know the 17th 18th 19th century that are just like wildly problematic you know mozart's abduction from the seraglio um, I'm probably not saying that right. <laughs> um, comes first to mind, but it's you know it's about like rape and, and human trafficking, and we're just like, oh, you know, oh, yeah. like isn't that a? And it's just like you know this feeling that like of the of just this sort of preciousness um, around these pieces that like, you know, well, we have to, you know, watch it in the spirit that it was intended. And it's like, no, like things can evolve and change. And
2: <sighs> If you're the spirit that it was intended, it's when you're talking about kidnapping and rape and there, there is no intended positive spirit in any of that. Those things are very harmful to people. <laughs> So it's it's just not funny. <laughs> and I, yeah, it's ugh, it when folks do operas with that kind of content, I just hope that they actually bring light to to organizations and things that, I don't know, counteract some of this terribleness that the opera is highlighting. I don't even know because like, I don't know how you come back from that.
0: Well, I think often the argument that you hear is that, like, but the music is so pretty. The music is so virtuosic. And it's just like, okay, well, then, like, let's have a concert. (laughs) If it's so lovely.
1: There's also, I, I think about how, like, a lot of the time when this music is, you know, just so lovely or so beautiful, a lot of the time there's certain stuff that's like a a, a trend of the time or like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Motif of of the time. Mm -hmm. You can, if it's really the music that you love, you could probably find something (laughs) similar or of a similar era or people are inspired by other people all the time. So why, why these particular pieces that we keep, Going back to it's like it's like how people try to call um try to call a chevalier like the black Mozart when he was live before Mozart. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, what if anything Mozart was inspired by him? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm I'm not saying that is fact. I'm not I'm not a historian, but I'm just saying there's no way (laughs) that it was the (laughs) other way around. So that's a perfect example of like why are we. Why is one person or one piece uplifted when the others are not? I feel like at this point a lot of it, especially here in the US and just what has become most popular in our big like A operas is like ticket sales <laughs> and what people what's popular and what people are want to hear or what they think yeah, they want to
0: hear. Absolutely. You know, and I think I think it really does fall on us as ticket buyers, as consumers of this media to really just sort of think about, you know, what it is that we really want to. Because I mean, you know, going back to Dave Chappelle, like, you know, again, he's sitting up here talking about like how oppressed he is because, you know, somebody has dared to, you know, call a call him standing on stage yelling, I'm Team Turf. has dared to call that transphobic (laughs) but like are you really oppressed because this is like you know like the the fifth out of six netflix specials that you have you know been paid like a hundred million dollars or whatever to create Mm -hmm. and this is the same platform that has a documentary like disclosure which outlines and outlines in great detail (laughs) why transphobic media, the effect that transphobic media has on the transgender community Mm -hmm. globally (laughs) and why things like Dave Chappelle's special are actively causing harm. But he's still, like he's still got the CEO of the company defending him because people want to watch it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that's the 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 immediate like disclosure isn't making them a whole bunch of money. dave Chappelle's specials are. So it kind of becomes incumbent upon us to actually like learn what's going on, why these things are happening, and to actively choose to say, I don't, I don't think I want to consume that anymore. Like maybe this actually isn't funny maybe like these people aren't being like aren't trying to steal my joy they're just like hurt and scared <laughs> and we just need to be sensitive with to that and to stop hurting people because it's i don't know it just seems like basic humanity 101 to me that it's just like it's much easier and cooler to just be kind to each other than to be like actively cruel to one another yeah. I, maybe I'm crazy <laughs> seems like I am an American 2021 post Trump but
1: <laughs> no you're absolutely absolutely right and there's a big part of me that's just like yo Dave Chappelle if you really cannot do this comedy thing without like punching down <laughs> at trans folks like maybe you're just not that funny like maybe I mean I'm not saying you never were but maybe right at this moment <laughs> if you can't if you can't write a joke or write a show without doing that like hang it up maybe maybe you're done maybe maybe that's it
0: and there are plenty of outlets who I'm sure would love to have, you know, a nice big juicy piece of transphobic commentary, but like, you know, maybe just don't call it comedy. Just call it what uh, it is—like your actual opinions about
1: <laughs> transgender of people behind jokes.
0: I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. You can call a spade a spade
3: yeah well
1: that's enough of that on that
0: (laughs) (laughs) but no I just I just implore just you know obviously our our purview is really talking about the opera and classical music industry but I and I think there's just an important lesson to just be gleaned
3: Mm -hmm. um
0: from this for for our industry in particular because we just tend to traffic in these you know older stories from a different generation that, you know, and not just, you know, when it comes to issues of gender, but when it comes to issues of sexuality, when it comes to issues of race, when it comes to issues of ability, you know, just all of these stories that tend to like, take people and otherize them, or marginalize them, or make fun of them, and it's actively harmful. So I just think it's an important lesson for all of us to just sort of think about like, okay, like, you know, you want to do a performance of Madam Butterfly, but you know, as we talked about in our first fire the cannon episode, you, you got to confront all of that problematic stuff. You got to talk about it. You got to figure out a way to present these pieces Um in ways that are not actively harmful. And if you can't do that, then you need to pull that from your, from your schedule. I'm like, I, 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 that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't think I am, but.
2: <laughs> no, I think, think you're either. right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway on to the next thing. (laughs) Um, So we're really excited because this past Monday was Indigenous Peoples Day, abolish Christopher Columbus Day, obviously. (laughs) Um, And we are sitting here on the land of the Dakota people. Um, We at Minnesota Opera uh, this past season um, adopted, Um, a new land acknowledgement, and that um, whole process was led by Paige, which we were super excited about. Um, And so when we come back, Paige is going to lead us on a discussion um, about the land acknowledgement, how that all happened, why land acknowledgements are important, and why you might want to incorporate one um, wherever you are. So we will be right back in 30 seconds or so. Um, We'll see you (laughs) soon. All right. Bye. The excerpt you just heard uh, was uh, from the opera Sundance uh, by the Dakota composer, Chikala Sa. And it's the perfect segue into our next segment where we have our, I don't know. I just feel so <laughs> lucky that we have you, Paige. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> I really do um, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> because you know land acknowledgements um I feel like are something that are just so important and something that like so many people don't really understand and um that you came in you took the reins and you said I'm going to <laughs> um lead this project um, for Minnesota Opera and help everyone understand in a way that is um, not scary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, just, I just think took a lot of skill and a lot of patience. Um, And so since Indigenous Peoples Day was last Monday, um, I thought this was just a really good, would be a really good opportunity um, to just sort of talk about that process and why it's important, why it was important to us here at Minnesota Opera, and some of the things that we're doing be- besides just, you know, putting a statement on our website to really um, respect and steward the land that's around us. So I'm going to turn it over mostly to you, Paige, Um, but I guess, like, my first question is, you know, what is a land acknowledgement and why is it important?
1: Yeah, so a land acknowledgement is a statement um, that just uh, makes clear or informs people of where an organization or a person or an event is located and the Indigenous people um, who have called that land home. Uh, who have stewarded it, who are deeply connected to it, all of that. Um, it is especially important in places where um, any form of colonialism and especially select settler clo- colonialism has happened. Um, as you know people or organizations are are working towards towards justice or having more equitable relationships with with the beings around them you have to contend with the fact that oh yeah like before any of us got here there were indigenous people here and one of the just many injustices that we're contending with today is that like those people have been largely erased i mean like actually you know let me let me not even dance around it with the language there was de- there was genocide yes there was genocide yes. and intentionally stealing lands driving people off of their lands coercing indigenous leaders into giving up their lands beyond that there were also uh boarding schools uh residential schools as well that were um directly aimed at um you know, the, the cultural genocide aspect um, with, you know, kids, babies. Uh, so, really in, intentionally trying to erase uh, all memory of indigenous people from the land. And I mean, from the people themselves, whether they be indigenous or black or white, just largely trying to say, oh, no, these people did not exist. This is now the USA. <laughs> this is now the United States, or I, I think um, even before, you know, this this wave of people adopting land acknowledgments in the United States, uh, Canada, uh, it was I feel I feel like probably it, it, y'all can feel free to correct me on this, um, but <laughs> I feel like it was more even more common there because there's been the exact the exact same thing that that has happened. Um, so yeah, although I mean wherever you are it could be important to have a land acknowledgement. Even if you're not in the United States or Canada, you could be in the Caribbean. You could be mm-hmm. in South or Central America, uh, definitely Australia. Absolutely. Um, I was say, Australia, <laughs> <laughs> we're looking
0: at you. <laughs> yeah,
1: South Africa, looking at y'all too. Um, you know, any any place where there has been an indigenous um, indigenous population in general, but especially one that has been, like, displaced, um, yeah.
0: So, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about, sort of, the journey to our, um, land acknowledgement here at Minnesota Opera? Just sort of, you know, how did it begin? Were there any roadblocks? (laughs) How did we get to just, sort of, where we are today with it?
1: Yeah, so, uh, the first roadblock was a pandemic. So this actually. <laughs> I mean. Uh, yeah, we actually, I mean, this work actually didn't um, start with with just me. Um, back in, I think, January of, of 2020 or February of 2020, when we were going to um, premiere the opera Edward Tulane. Back then is when we first started talking about uh, including a land acknowledgement in the show programs Mm -hmm. and uh, possibly as um, a message that appeared on the uh, super titles above, above the stage. Um, Just, yeah. At the beginning, at the very beginning of the opera before any notes had been sung. So obviously uh, Edward Tulane did not happen. Um, maybe
0: one day <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure I'm sure someday soon hopefully fingers crossed
1: someday because those costumes looked really cool but they anyway did,
0: did. <laughs> <laughs> I worked very hard on that trailer back when I was Oh, I know <laughs> <you did>. meaning... <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was a really hard one all right anyway
3: sorry
1: not a, not that this is about me like at all <laughs> yeah let me get out my feelings um okay. <laughs> so yeah I mean there was a, a Big pause because of the pandemic, and I mean, obviously dealing with some with some other impending issues (laughs) like (laughs) rescheduling, rescheduling everything, rescheduling Earth earth, uh, itself, (laughs) and like no one really knowing what our what our programming um, would look like. But I would say, especially with the onset of, or you know, with the instatement of the Impact Department. And, you know, the reworking of our, of our roles and our, in our job titles and descriptions. um, I knew then that this was like something that I, that I wanted to work on. And when Lee came on as the VP of Impact, uh, he totally agreed that just like, yeah, this is something that, (laughs) that we could have been done. I mean, obviously that you know, some pretty clear reasons why <laughs> why it didn't happen before, but absolutely like let's let's go for it. Um, I, you know, told him that I felt pretty comfortable about being able to just do my research and figure out and what an appropriate statement would be. I mean, the thing about about land acknowledgement is that it isn't always just cut and clear like one indigenous group. That has occupied a place because people migrate, people you know migrate, and then there is. I'm I'm not going to get too much into it because I am not Dakota or Ojibwe, but there are there can be conflicts between indigenous nations, or there can be you know ways that people got switched around during um during the colonial period and all of that. So. It wasn't as simple as just like finding, you know, one group, <laughs> especially since we're the Minnesota opera and yeah, we're mm-hmm. based in the twin cities, but if you're consider then like, want to try to consider all of Minnesota, mm-hmm. then there's even more, um, even more indigenous nations to include. So, uh, I, you know, did that research, found something appropriate and I can read our land acknowledgement.
0: Well, I'm just curious before before you read it. What what yeah. did the research look like?
1: Yeah, so to me, <laughs> to <laughs> me, it looked like um, going to just looking at like which um, nations had had offices or communities nearby. I looked at that and. They're um, a lot of them have like something about their history on their website. So I looked at at several and you know, just what the common narratives are. The I want to say it's the Minnesota Historical Society Society that has, um, some really good information on the twin cities area specifically and the area called bedote where two waters meet where the mississippi and minnesota rivers meet that is like the center of uh dakota uh, creation so i looked at at those narratives as well um there was also just talking to to people there's the <laughs> indigenous like friends that i that i know and you know recalling what they've, what they have said about this area and about its history. Um, but yeah, mostly, mostly looking at local indigenous led, uh, organizations or, uh, tribal communities or the reservations that are in Minnesota as well. A lot of them have websites with the, with the history as well. Um, so yeah, all of, all of that is, is what went into it of research for me
0: and then i remember a few months ago um you organized a lecture for the staff with the L- lower me.
1: failing creek project thank
0: you i did yes. i was like what's the order of the words <laughs> <laughs> lower failing creek project and so were they were they involved um as well
1: um not directly in the in okay. the making i hadn't made the connection with them yet but i definitely um when we were first meeting and and just planning that presentation uh read the land acknowledgement to them and you know was like thoughts and they were like great uh
0: <laughs> oh nice nice well shout um, out to them and yeah. they just had a big victory got the funding they, for their I cultural planner so that's so exciting for them
1: yeah I'm really really excited they are I think starting construction at the end of this month. At, oh my gosh. Wakan TP Center. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, yeah. everybody go check them out. We'll put a link, check out Wakan TP Center because it's just going to be dope when it's, it's done. So amazing. So. But without any further ado, please go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. Oh no, it's
1: all good. So The Minnesota Opera Land Acknowledgement right now says, Minnesota Opera is located on Dakota land. Though we have arrived here in a multiplicity of ways, we recognize our occupation on land that is of great historical, spiritual, and cultural significance to Dakota people. We also acknowledge the past and present harm done to Dakota, Anishinaabe, and other indigenous nations through the systemic systematic uh, forced removal of communities and the unjust seizure of their lands. We urge you to join us in reflecting on our place in these histories and rectifying the erasure of indigenous peoples in our art form. So yeah there were like several several thoughts that that went into it that I mean the place where the places where, the Minnesota Opera like office is based and where we perform is Dakota land specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, we're near, you know, the center of Dakota creation story, um, lands that are very, very sacred, Um, many different um, villages and communities that were here. Um, sacred grounds. Um, There are even the sacred burial mounds on uh, the east side of St. Paul over there. That's where uh, Wakantipi is located nearby. Um, Yeah. and But also in the context of Minnesota as a whole, there are Anishinaabe nations as well. So in case you don't know, Anishinaabe uh, people live Their historical homelands are around Minnesota. I think maybe Northern Wisconsin too. And just like this, a lot of this Great Lakes area. And there are lots of different peoples that are Anishinaabe um, that fall with um, under that umbrella. It's a wider name for for many different peoples who have a shared history and culture. Uh, So yeah, it was important that they be included as well, while naming that Minnesota Opera is specifically located on on Dakota land, um, yeah, and I, I also wanted to have have something within it that makes it feel actionable,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, knowing that like the opera industry alone can't like decolonize the whole nation. So there's a reason why it specifically said, I mean, it it would be cool if that wasn't within my power, like great land back, let's do it. Um, But there's a reason why it specifically says, like we urge you to join us in reflecting on our place in these histories and rectifying the erasure of indigenous peoples in our art form. Mm -hmm. So um, I think like with any, with any um, struggle against any kind of oppression, there's all kinds of different roles that people can take, and we need them all. Like we need everybody across, you know, whatever industry they're in, whatever skill they they have, whatever they they can do to to be aware of this and to be be working on this within within their capacity. So that was the other, you know, thought that. That went into it. And if you visit our our page, mnopera.org slash EDI uh slash I think MN Opera Land Acknowledgement, something like that.
0: Um yeah, if you go to the EDI page, <laughs> you'll find it, but I'll put a link specifically. <laughs>
1: there'll uh, be a link in then, the notes. There'll
0: be a link in the notes. There'll be a link in the notes. <laughs> no, and that that part about being it, it, it being actionable, I think is just so important because Yeah. You know, I think so much of the skepticism when you hear about land acknowledgments, like people like, "Oh, you're bleeding heart, blah blah, blah 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 blah," like, like, "Oh, hi, land, we acknowledge you." But it's like, no, it, it goes so, it goes so much deeper than just sort of, you know, mm-hmm. just sort of acknowledging that we're on the stolen land, like that we're here and we're actually trying to make a difference and steward that land, um, or give the land back to the people who originally stewarded it. Yeah. Um,
1: it's about being in like more intentional relationship with it. And I think exactly. <laughs> with how climate change is going mm-hmm. with how this global pandemic is going, I think we're, we all are or at least should be recognizing how powerful our relationships actually are, and that being a good steward of them should be a priority.
0: You know, I was at a function a few months ago, and I was sitting, having a conversation with someone, and they actually said, like, and, you know, I mean, I guess, like, in the next few years, like, when all of this climate change stuff, like, starts to happen, and I was like, "What? what? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> right. It is, it's uh, 115 degrees in September, like,
1: it's already happening. Okay. and I mean <laughs> also indigenous communities are often the first people to feel the the effects of, of that mm. climate change climate change because of where they're loaded, they're located, because of uh, I I need to I need to look up what the actual st- statistic is, but it's been like proven that indigenous people protect the majority of the world's biodiversity the majority of <laughs> the things that <laughs> you know keep the planet alive and thriving and us breathing our waterways our forests all all that um so yeah it's pretty important i would even venture to say that we would be far better off if we um were listening to indigenous leadership and you know maybe giving them their land back. And there's actually some pretty comprehensive plans for how we can do that with like national parks, public spaces, mm-hmm. we just, start, just start there. To me, the two are, are, are super, super tied. Like, yeah, honoring like indigenous leadership and indigenous stewardship over lands is like one of the biggest ways that we can tackle the climate crisis we're all in, and so, and, um, and, and we're
0: actually in it. Just <laughs> just in case anyone's confused, right? Right. The thing, it's actually happening. <laughs> but stepping
1: so, off my soapbox on that. No, no, no. no, not feel free to just
0: stay up there because somebody needs to be up there. Good God. <laughs> um. Well, one question that I know that came up. Um as we were, um, creating this document, um, well, was the idea that, you know, there are, you know, folks who look like us, um, Black folks Mm -hmm. specifically Mm -hmm. who are not on this land of their free will. Yeah. And so I'm just, you know, how did we sort of wrestle with that?
1: yeah that's another part of like why the the language says that it what it does um, you know the part about arriving here in in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually I was just talking to um, to a group of friends about this last last week and how um, in reading or you know listening to uh, indigenous artists, scholars um, Whoever and, and specifically, I mean, in, indigenous to to here to Turtle Island. Um, how sometimes it can be a little frustrating for me as a black person because I'm like, Well, okay, I'm not native and I'm not a settler, like, what do I do? <laughs> like,
0: yeah, right, exactly, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, like, and I, don't get me wrong, I know it's completely. Necessary to you know talk to your own folks and talk to white folks and settlers about what they've done. Like I, I get why that conversation is is happening, of course, um, but sometimes I'm just like, the rest of us got to get together <laughs> and you know decide or 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 well we're yeah what our place is in this or ask indigenous you know people what our what our place is in in this. So wanting to be sensitive to to that as well. And also just like at an opera company, uh, we have so many people who come in from all over the world. The world, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) all over the world from all kinds of, you know, different countries, different nations, different political contexts, all of that. So we wanted to feel like something that all of us could say and, you know, have have it feel genuine and like a, you know, reflection of, our actual, yeah, all of our backgrounds. Mm, mm. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, so now we've got this statement in place. Um, You know, it's up on our website. It will be in our materials going forward, which is very exciting. But, you know, apart from that, um, can you talk a little bit about um, some of the things that Minnesota Opera is doing um, to help with that stewardship, stewardship? can't say that word for some reasons, do word shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've got an event coming up this Monday, which is super exciting, which you have uh, organized with the Friends of the Mississippi River. So I was wondering if you could tell the people a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the, I would say, main, like, biggest project we've done to follow up on this land acknowledgement. Um, and, and to be clear, like, the land acknowledgement itself is not the most important part. It Mm. is what you do with it. It is what you do after it is (laughs) actually living embodying the values, which is also why I didn't want to spend too much time in the making of this land acknowledgement. Cause I was like, okay, that's great. Yes. It has to have the verbiage that we all feel good about, but what about after that? What are we actually going to (laughs) do? So uh, we have um, a partnership with friends of the Mississippi river. They are, a local organization that stewards different areas um, along the Mississippi River uh, here in Minnesota. And they are also, you know, focused on having an equitable approach to their work, not just having white environmentalists, you know, talking about the importance of, of saving the river for recreational purposes or something Uh like that. They're also, you know, actively, um, acknowledging, uh, who has stewarded the river and the areas around it way before they ever did. So have a similar, you know, kind of justice centered approach as us, um, talking about how, uh, you know, returning these areas to being under indigenous stewardship is uh, a great way to um, actually help the health of our of our environment. So it just felt like a natural alignment. Also, um, one of the people there, shout out to Laura Manhill is a, a friend of mine and who I've known, um, you know, just through other organizing efforts in the Twin Cities. And so I thought this was a great idea for us to do something where we were you know, working on something that was a priority, that is a priority to indigenous communities. Um, you know, the, the health of the lands that are sacred to them, that are traditional to them, while making a you know, physical like, impact on the environment that is positive. Uh, and that is near, actually near the Opera Center. So we have been doing cleanups on a place called Nicollet Island, that is really close to downtown Minneapolis. And actually, that that area was was you know super sacred to the um, to the Dakota people. Uh, one of those so there's there's nicola island itself there was another island nearby that was um that was pretty sacred as well but was collapsed with all the um industry uh and yeah all the industrialization that that happened here. I want to say around like late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen uh, hundreds. You <laughs> look at like pictures there. from back then, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like so the, the bridges and the mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. giant factories and whatnot, and it's just yeah. like it's such a tiny little island, and it's got like yeah. eight factories on it. It's like, uh okay,
1: yeah. It Not is- sure how
0: that worked, but all right pretty wild
1: (laughs) yeah so there was actually a whole like in case y'all don't know a whole natural waterfall um natural falls that were over here now we have like the dam and all of that because uh those falls collapsed
0: because oh my god
1: uh the settlers were doing way too much like way way too much they collapsed um yeah and i i may be getting this wrong if if that the island was either destroyed as well, or if they intentionally um, intentionally destroyed it. Um, but either way, restoring restoring that area is has been named as important to um, to local elders. Um, from what FMR um, the folks at FMR have told me, they they used to do um, tap maple sugar or maple trees on the island as well so like that's one thing they're trying to restore bring back you know the maple tree groves and and things like that uh there was an area over there where dakota women would go to give birth um yeah so again pretty important yeah.
0: <laughs> uh yeah yeah pretty yeah yeah, yeah. So, sounds important. sounds sounds pretty important sounds pretty sacred
3: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. and i mean uh, I think maybe because so many people in the U.S. have a story of their ancestors either migrating intentionally, consensually, or being stolen and, you know, ending up here with no choice or say in the matter, I think sometimes it can be hard for us to conceive of being so deeply connected to a place on a cellular level you know like uh-huh. your ancestors have lived here in this area for thousands of years like I I think that's that can be hard for for us to conceptualize sure. you know um I'll say that, even that like, makes all the sense in the world yeah yeah I mean I have friends or pe- and people I've just people I've met in community who are Dakota and they maybe grew up or, or were born in a different state but like <laughs> they uh, more than once now someone has said to me like because this is like the center of <laughs> of you know the Dakota nation like this place feels more like home mm. like just on an energetic level than wherever they they grew up and i was like well well, yeah, that, <laughs> that totally, that totally makes sense. So <laughs> when it comes to Minnesota opera, we have, you know, taken on this, this charge to, to care for some of the areas on Nicollet Island. So we removed trash uh, to help in just improve the, the water quality, to improve things for the plants and animals in the area and then coming up on Monday, we will be removing uh buckthorn. It is an invasive, pesky invasive species <laughs> that um, tends to choke out other things around them. Uh, the animals don't really like to eat it like that. And uh, of course it was introduced by settlers, I think as a like decorative shrub or something mm. like that. And now it's just like, it's not
0: even that cute
1: it's it's really not even that cute if we (laughs) be yeah so (laughs) i guess guess
0: times and tastes change i guess
1: clearly a lot Um... this is a
0: throwback to the last segment but all right (laughs) (laughs) buckthorn the the madam butterfly
1: of plants yes (laughs) buckthorn is canceled um Yeah, we'll be removing that. Um, It also makes it more difficult for the animals to like make their way through the forest. So if you've seen buckthorn, it can kind of just take over. Like it (laughs) makes it look like you can't even like enter uh, wooded or or forested areas and not just in a way of like keeping humans out, but it, you know, keeps animals um, out too. the ones that like should be there um so yeah. it just
0: does all the bad things it
1: just it it just does all the bad things yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah okay. well so it'll feel good to you know remove it yeah absolutely
0: oh and that's today because today is monday when we're releasing this so oh okay yeah <laughs> yeah come come wave <laughs> we'll, we'll be out there um well last question for you Paige. hmm So there's anyone out there who is considering, has thought about like, maybe this is a good idea for my organization or my school or my home. Um, You know, what advice would you give to them to get them started?
1: Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Ooh, I would say uh, number one, humble yourself. <laughs> mm, <yeah>. mm. <laughs> you Number got. one is a, you know, you know, realizing that a lot of us in some way are going to be coming from a, a, you know, colonial or colonized mindset. And so, you know, do your best to, <laughs> to, you know, kind of turn that, turn that switch off in your brain. And then I would say go to actual indigenous peoples in the area you live, if you can, if you can. Um, yeah, whether it is, again, you can, the, the internet can be a, a really good tool when you are using the kind of firsthand sources such as things that are on Uh, an indigenous like nation's site and is the history, the way they tell it, Um, books that are actually written by indigenous people of the nation. Um, Yeah, you know, the place where you are. Um, I would also say to be wary of, uh, or be cautious and aware of asking indigenous folks to do the work for you for free.
0: Mm. Speak on it. Uh, <laughs>
1: they already got a lot on their plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Just like, don't, don't, don't do that. Especially yeah. if you had a multi-million dollar organization come on now come on now send some aside in the budget if you really need to <laughs> need to talk to uh somebody um yeah even if it's just a conversation ask them what their consulting fee is ask them okay um yeah or uh, you could also just like do really really good research and you can i I think, and a lot of people can come up with the land acknowledgement themselves. And like I said, like the follow up is the most important. Is the most important part.
0: Okay, yeah. There you go, and extend that last one to your EDI professional friends as well. What?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Who <said> well, that? <laughs> Who said I mean, that? there's
1: another part of this that I want to add, though. It's just that, like, for me part of why I, this was important and why I also felt comfortable doing the the research and having the conversations to, to write it was just for a while now, kind of working on that slow relationship building and community building. I, I mean, we hear it all the time that in today's age, we often want to rush things or you know, we want to do things performatively. And I think part of you know righting the the wrongs um, is lies in relationship, in, in building trust, in taking the time to actually address the colonizer in your heart and mind before even getting to you know doing these public statements so like when I was in college I was an intern at the Smithsonian National Museum of the American Indian and that was a huge humbling experience for me I learned just so so much um and you know after that continuing to to listen when it came to things like the uh I specifically remember being in D.C. when people were protesting Dakota Access Pipeline, and paying attention to those conversations. Being there for, for the for the protests it's, itself, and uh, you know, talking to to people I knew about how they could um, they could divest um, from that. And then when I got here to the Twin Cities. I think the Twin Cities has like one of the largest populations or urban population, Native American populations. Um, being intentional about just who I was, who I was connecting with, who I was building community with, not just the people who look like me or talk like me, are the same background as me. Um, it's been, yeah, it's, it's not fast it's often you know not sexy it's just (laughs) it's showing up a lot of the time Uh like actually actually go and and show up for people and yeah I feel like along with the land acknowledgement that'll that'll put you in a in a good place I okay. mean, it's a constant lifetime learning, but oh yeah, well, you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. I
0: always say we're not putting the Mission Accomplished banner up anytime soon. Nope. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> but Paige, I just want to thank you so much for um, shedding some light into this whole process and into this wonderful document that you created um, for Minnesota Opera. I think it's so important, and I think so many folks can learn... Um, from this and from this process, and you know, I mean, you, my friend. So I'm a great admirer of you, <laughs> and I think you're so smart and awesome. Oh, <laughs> but really, I just you. think this is this is really important work, and I'm just really proud to be at a company that values this work that you do. And you,
1: oh, <laughs> you're so sweet. Thank well, you. you know. <laughs> well.
0: With that said, we'll be right back with our favorite part of the show. It's PB and J time. Hit it babe.
1: Hey, peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time We'll be right back.
0: A short clip from uh, the piece The Forest at Dawn by uh, Indigenous composer Juan Tio Vicente. And we also really wanted, really quick, to just say stop line three. Stop line three. <laughs> stop line three. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but it is time, as we said, time for our favorite part of the show where we just want to end our, our discussion here with a little bit of joy every time the things that are making us happy this week so first I will turn it over to our special guest host Frankie for a little bit of Latinx joy (laughs) what do you got for us today Frankie
2: yeah I I'm gonna say what's bringing me joy today is definitely the weather like fall is definitely my favorite season (laughs) it's I'm You like a pumpkin
0: spice latte?
2: My partner loves a pumpkin spice latte. (laughs) I love a solid fire with some s'mores and sweater weather. Like y'all were saying in the beginning of this, like, I love it. If, if, If fall could be a permanent season, I would be there the whole time. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. I just
2: like... I like being cozy, (laughs) (laughs) and and fall is just like you get you get some warmth during the day, and then when when the sun goes down, you just gets a little chillier, but it's not unbearable. You're not you're not so cold that the wind is hurting you. Like I grew up in Chicago, and that the winters between between the winters (laughs) in Chicago and in Minneapolis, I I wonder why I'm still in like the midwest and like the north but you know it'd be like on a beach
0: somewhere
2: it's (laughs) fall i can't do without the fall i love the weather changing and the 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 trees changing and even the turkeys that come out in my neighborhood (laughs) i like (laughs) making fun of them sometimes because they're funny
1: Seeing the turkeys too, <laughs> <laughs> it's just
0: so weird. I it's so weird to see just a big giant turkey walking around your neighborhood. Uh-huh. It's so odd, and like chasing
2: cars and stuff. Well, I have never. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I have seen these huge turkeys go after a car because they're like, "You're not coming in my area," but they're they're
1: in the street. <laughs> they do seem a little defensive. They, they do. There was their turf.
0: there was one morning. A couple of years ago, I like walked out of my house to walk to the bus stop, and there was just like a gang of like four turkeys just walking down the street, and a bunch of my other neighborhood or neighbors were like out in the street, like taking video and stuff. And I was just like, "Oh my god, Cause they're so!" T- <laughs> you don't think of turkeys as being like tall, but they're oh, so they're tall. They're big.
2: It's, yeah, wild.
0: Wild turkey, I guess.
2: Yeah, they the alley behind my apartment, and I'm like, "Ooh, I got to be careful.
1: Wow, you might get jumped in the alley by a turkey. There's so many
2: of them, too. There's like six to eight, and they'll just sort of roll up in a little group, and I'm just like, okay, well, y'all have fun on your little walk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanksgiving's coming up. Y'all may, might want to get at all mm. <laughs> <laughs> well all right fall love and fall yes. what about you Paige?
1: i have a black joy pure black joy that has to do with uh the group that i've talked about on here before million artist movement that mm. i'm a part of an admin of so we are about to close out the second round of our uh, Trust Black People Black Artists Reparations Fund, um, and it is something that I have, you know, been organizing or been in charge of organizing with the with the help of our other admin and with uh, the help of a Black Artists Council, and it just it just brings me joy to do like. This, the first round we gave um, $1,000 each to 10 black Minnesota artists, no strings attached. There's no like extra long application. You don't have to do, have a project or anything like that. And the winners are, are chosen at, at random. Um, yeah, just like reparations, just money that we hmm. are, <laughs> free money that we are okay. reappropriating to our people, yes that is it and so this round we're able to to um to give it 1000 to eight black minnesota artists so by the time this this podcast comes out it will be closed but that means the winners will be announced too soon and it just it just brings me joy to be able to do that yeah and i i just think reparations are a joyful thing you know If you out there, you know, you should should try it sometime. I mean, mean, giving it, like, (laughs) giving it may 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 bring you some joy. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So it's gonna bring bring me joy to tell these people that they've won and that they get one thousand dollars with just no strings, no grant monitoring, or or anything like that for them to use on whatever they want or need like
0: whatever they need because I -hmm. just always find that like you know oh you have to use it on this project or whatever but it's like it's having been an artist myself trying to make a living trying to make rent trying to buy food like there's just like this idea that like art comes from suffering and it's like no art Mm -hmm. comes from like having a roof over your head, not having to worry about, you know, where your next meal is going to come from. Like that's where good art comes from. Um, So that's awesome that you all are doing that.
1: Thanks. And if you, if you are interested in giving to the trust black people reparations fund, you can visit millionartistmovement.com. Just throwing that out there. Know it's almost holiday season, people gonna be want to, you know, be extra generous and whatnot. So, well,
0: especially this holiday season, think about us now. If you can, you know, people are in
1: need, yeah.
0: Well, I wish you had gone last because mine is stupid.
2: Rocky, whatever brings you joy is not stupid. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, I feel like once you, like, once I get
0: started and, like, I might get canceled. Um, but I feel like, you know, anybody who has spent, you know, even 30 seconds with me, you know, hey, the first segment of the show, I love mess in the words of Marie Kondo. Yes. <laughs> and so for me, what's bringing me joy is that I am a slightly ashamed member of Bachelor Nation and coming up (laughs) I think tonight or maybe is it tomorrow? I think it's Tuesday. Um, We're going to have a brand new season of The Bachelorette with our third Black lead Michelle Young who is a school teacher and college basketball player from the Twin Cities.
1: Really? Oh my god. Oh she
0: filmed part of the season here.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, you know, and she was... Now, let me just... Pre- I understand there have been two Black leads before, Rachel Lindsay and Matt James, and they did them so dirty. It, Ooh. it. I was surprised when Michelle signed on, signed on the dotted line. Like on Rachel's season, they had like an actual racist in the cast there to antagonize Stuff. the, the men in the house. The black oh, oh yes, oh and they and they tried to be like oh oh we didn't know that he had these views even though they were on his Facebook page and he was recruited from Facebook. So wow,
1: oh that's messy. Yeah, it sure. that is
0: messy. Yeah. And then the last season with Matt James he chose this woman who in college dressed up in period garb and went to like an antebellum party and was like seen posing in front of confederate flags the the girl he chose
1: not miss scarlet oh my God. yes,
0: yes scarlet o'hara he chose scarlet <laughs> o'hara so i'm not saying that the bachelor french and then we <laughs> saw this woman, Natasha, just get royally effed over on Bachelor in Paradise this past season. So I don't really hold a lot of hope for, I you know, I hope that Michelle is safe and she finds love because also <laughs> on that same season of Bachelor in Paradise for the first time, they had two black folks fall in love with each other.
3: Imagine
0: <laughs> and, that. And they're so <laughs> cute. uh, Riley and Marissa and you go to their the their Instagrams and they are cute and in love so I don't know I guess Uh the process works or whatever but I'm just saying this is really exciting this is our home girl Michelle from our neck of the woods I hope she goes out there I hope she finds a nice man who loves her and either way whether it's messy or it's lovely, I'm sure I will be live tweeting the whole thing, so <laughs> feel free to come and join me at my Twitter, Coach Buster, if you like mess.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: that is my pure black joke.
3: <laughs>
0: well, so I think that's going to do it. Us, do it for this week. Thank you so much, Frankie, for joining us. I hope you had a good time.
2: Of course, always. I... I love
0: y'all, <laughs> <laughs> and we love you too. Love you. And shout out to Lee; he will be back with us next time. Hope you are off enjoying yourself, um, having a lovely a lovely cocktail on us. <laughs> and thank you, Paige. Yes,
2: thank, thank you, you,
0: Paige. Very welcome for for schooling us and just being an awesome friend and coworker in general.
1: <laughs> Aw, thanks.
0: Um, and thank you to all of you out there for listening. Um, as usual, if you like what you heard, please share um, the show with your friends. Um, go to Apple Podcast, write us a review, or leave us five stars.
1: All five. No, no less. <laughs> every week.
0: Every week. I have to say this. Cinco. Thank. <laughs> five i don't know how how, how, how how else to say it but we did get two more since Yay. i've been reading everyone so that's exciting any
1: any reviews with words
0: no not yet so okay. so leave us one and we'll <laughs> we'll read it on the air Good yeah long. say
2: nice things about everyone
0: <laughs> and then of course subscribe on your favorite podcast pod catcher of choice we are on all the things apple spotify overcast all the things so um come find us come join us and get people to join us and join in the fun and and write us an email the score at we want to hear from you we want to know what you guys want to hear about what you guys want to talk about um and just be in community with all of you so use that email address and um I think I'm done. <laughs> anything else? Did, did I miss anything? Any words of wisdom before we go? Uh,
2: thank you, Rocky, for being yeah. um, a producer. And thank everybody else.
1: Rocky. <laughs> oh, stop. y'all yeah, you know Rocky does like the, the editing and stuff? And yeah. uh, make sure this gets uploaded and... Make sure we don't sound a
0: mess. And yeah. Thank you. Tugging on my collar. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Um, But I think that's it for us. So we will see you in two weeks. Everybody be safe. Be warm. Stay cozy. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.